0: Let's go to the Skype maker hotline It is a Tuesday after all, every other Tuesday And from the Lepanto Institute L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N Dot org The president and founder Mr. Michael Hitchborn Who is standing by on the uh, In the aftermath of uh, Another uh, uh, Incredible report on the CCHD uh, Mr. Hitchborn, how are you?
1: Looking forward to retirement
0: <laughs>
1: Same. Same.
0: <laughs> why are you retiring well, i'm not
1: retiring but i'm looking forward to it oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you going to be forced out
1: no i, I just uh, you know i keep doing these investigations and i keep finding the worst and most disgusting most foul things that humanity has to offer and boy do i want to retire
0: It's like the people that are demonologists or assist exorcists uh, say after a while, it's like you just don't want to do it anymore. You're seen, you get so close to so much evil, and you just, it starts to wear on you. (laughs) It just starts to break you down. And, well,
1: I have to be clear. It's not that I'm feeling broken down or I'm being worn down. It's just I'm looking forward to the time when there is a correction, that there is an end to the absolute filth that is being financed by the U.S. Catholic bishops.
0: And the fruits of which, uh, or the rotten fruits of which are are uh, they're all around us. You know, I was uh, a, a talking uh, kind of in a related story today. I'm sure you know what's going on in Ohio today. The Baphomet initiative is on the ballot. Uh, hmm. Amendment 1, if it passes. Uh, have you read it?
1: I've not read it. I know what it does, though.
0: Oh, <laughs> you okay? I read it, so you have to hear. I'll just read you the operative part. That's the last clause. I'm, I'm quoting now. Quote: Allow, always allow, an unborn child to be aborted at any stage of pregnancy, regardless of viability, if. In the treating physician's determination, the abortion is necessary to protect the pregnant woman's life or health. If passed, the amendment will become effective 30 days after the election. I, I, you can't get any more Baphomet, Bago, Baphomet, uh, uh, Triple B in the boys. Can't get any more clear than that. You can kill a soon-to-be-born child... With the umbilical cord still attached Day of Day of birth If It determines It will benefit the uh, How do they put it The the woman's life or health And as I was telling the audience earlier uh, This is an easy one If you're an abortionist And uh, Satan is a And abortion is your sacrament to get around Doesn't say you can't say mental health
1: Right. Well, you know, what, what we have to remember is that the word abortion itself does not mean aborting the life of the baby. It means aborting the pregnancy. So when we're talking about a late term, quote unquote, abortion, that simply means an early delivery of the baby. That's what it's supposed to mean anyway. But what they're using that is. It, it, they're using that word as a euphemism for directly targeting the life of the baby itself. So when they when they talk about a late term abortion, you know, a, a baby who's in the third trimester who can survive delivery, and what the what this is why I was so uh, hard on the um, uh, what was it the uh, the, uh, the the partial birth abortion ban act. Supreme Court decision, because even though the Supreme Court said, yeah, we're going to uphold the um, the partial birth abortion ban act, the decision itself actually gave coordinates for killing the baby, said, as long as you kill the baby beforehand, it's not a partial birth abortion. It's just the delivery of a dead baby. So we're talking about infanticide, actual infanticide, and they're using abortion as a euphemism to describe it.
0: I concur. This is exactly what I said. Exactly. Almost verbatim. I think you, you and I must have talked about this before. No, uh, I don't think so, but... What I, what I told the audience this morning, i said, if I take the word abortion out, which is a complete use, uh, the, this, the, the, they always use nominalism. Uh, let, let's change the terms, right? If I replace abortion with infanticide, you vote, this thing goes down in smoldering flames, Eighty-five, fifteen, probably. Right. Well, Depending on what state it is. In New York, fifty-one forty-nine, But in Ohio, maybe 80, 20. Um, by saying abortion, though, oh, it's just some sterile medical procedure where the child is basically wonderfully and painlessly euthanized. That's really the way
1: they should be describing it. It is, and it's not even euthanasia. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. They're They're tearing the babies apart. They're... Uh, the the um, the way that the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, they said that as long as you injected a murderous drug into directly into the heart of the child before you deliver the baby, then it's not a partial birth abortion and therefore can be done. Um, yep. it's uh, it was a terrible terrible decision i mean the decision was right it was right to uphold the ban act but the way that the decision was written was written to give coordinates to abortion doctors and say this is how you can do it and get around the ban act there you go you know um that's that's deplorable and it's it's absolutely foul and disgusting but when we're talking about these abortion laws abortion referendums. Anytime they talk about abortion up until birth, they're talking about direct infanticide. They're not talking about aborting the pregnancy because if it was about health of the mother or life of the mother, then delivering the baby does not necessitate murdering the baby. It just means delivering the baby. That's it.
0: it, it it's an amazing thing, is it not? Uh, how uh, and, and seemingly... Especially women that have that have actually given birth or carried the term would know this. For the life of the mother, well, whether the baby is delivered alive or dead, it's still your babyless. Right. Right. So if you err on the side of life, well, then obviously then infanticide can't be part of the of the of the procedure. You can't do that. I asked. An obstetrician who had delivered over 20,000 babies This very question In 2012 And he told me He said, Mr. Church, I have delivered over 20,000 babies There have been many, many I've dealt with over thousands of complications Some of them life-threatening And there has never been, there never was And I can't, cannot foresee how there ever could be A case where killing the baby Would have saved the mother's life and you know who that obstetrician was? Dr. Bruchowski. Congressman Ron Paul. No kidding. Wow. Yes, Congressman Paul told me that. Congressman Paul, people don't know this. He wasn't one of those libertarians like us. so many of the other ones. that Well, later, you know, six months in, yeah, we're opposed to because it's obviously it's a baby. Then he is a guy. He's a life starts at conception guy. Yep. P- people don't know that about Congressman Paul, and it was because of his experience as a, as an obstetrician. But he told me that because uh, it came up in a, in a uh, he was accused of being naive on the subject when he was running for president in 2012. I want to say it was Giuliani that accused him. Maybe it was Romney. I don't remember. But I asked Probably him the question. Romney. Yeah, I asked him the question, and that's the answer he gave And I, I, I paraphrase, but that's what he told me, and I interviewed him. Uh, my, my, uh, my entire family went down to an event that they had in New Orleans, a big Republican uh, brouhaha um, in the, 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 the run-up to the 2012 nomination process in 2011, and, uh, you know, We met with Congressman Paul He actually liked me back in the day And we had a media room set up And I interviewed him It might even be on that interview that I did with him Um, But he was very clear on that And that is from a man that delivered 20,000 babies So when they say that You know, there is a medical What the science is it? No, the science says you're wrong The actual science But in any event What's on the ballot in Ohio is an embarrassment, and it, it, it's a scandal to the good people of Ohio, if you ask me. As, as I was saying, how did this thing even get out of committee? Whose idea was this to, we, to, to get, <laughs> who voted in the affirmative to put this on a ballot? Right. I mean, that, that, that tells you an awful lot right then. You go, wait a minute, there's, what part of the conversation of this, how did this get started? Well, obviously, it's the enemy. Now... Tell us about the, the latest. I mean, what is it? You describe so many vile and disgusting things. Tell me what it is about what your your latest report that makes you want to retire?
1: Well, as you know, every year I, I do a deep dive into organizations receiving funding from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. And every year, I find that these grantees are deeply involved in promoting the worst of the worst of evils in in modern society. Right. And th- this year is really no different. Now, the thing is, last year when we issued our report on CCHD grantees, the USCCB was absolutely silent. They they would not say a word. And what's more is that people started calling in. They were writing. And the CCHD stopped answering phone calls, they stopped responding to emails, uh, they let voice, the phone calls go to voicemail, they wouldn't answer their phones, uh, and as a result, uh, they then withheld the 2021 to 2022 grants list all the way up until last month, which is highly irregular.
0: To say the least...
1: Because those grants had been dispersed as, as uh, they were finalized in June of 2022. There was no reason to continue holding on to that list and to withhold it from faithful Catholics. So we sent out a letter, as you know, to all the bishops of the United States. We, we included packets of various reports, four reports each, to every bishop in the country and said, Your Excellency, this is the kind of organization that is receiving funding from the CCHD, um, and it's a very serious problem. The CCHD claims that it is fully transparent, and yet it refuses to release the 2021 to 2022 grants list. So about three weeks after our letter was received by all the bishops in the country— Uh, Rather mysteriously, suddenly the CCHD very quietly published the latest grants list. Seems to me that when enough bishops speak up, Uh the CCHD will actually comply. There you go. (laughs) Well, I started going through the grants list and I found one called Congregations United to Serve Humanity. (laughs) This organization received $45,000 from the CCHD in 2021. Uh, Since... Or for between the years 2012 and 2018, it had received $202,000 from the CCHD. So as of 2021 to 2022, it had received $247,000. I have reason to believe that it got another $45,000 grant for 2022 to 2023, even though I don't have tangible proof of this, Um I have spoken with people around the diocese, and they did indicate that, yeah, they got another grant, which would have ended this past June. So that would have pushed them closer to Mm $300,000. Well, earlier last month, on October 5th, uh, the Congregations United to Serve Humanity, which their, their acronym is CUSH.
0: CUSH, I see that now.
1: Yeah, interesting that Cush is actually represented in, in uh, Scripture as the capital of Egypt. Um,
0: and whenever you see Egypt, you know, Brother Francis just used to say, Whenever you see the word Egypt in the Bible, no, just replace it with evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Egypt represents both hell and the world.
0: <laughs> right. just replace Egypt with evil, and, and the meaning of the Scripture will become clearer.
1: Well, and they pretty much proved themselves worthy of that name uh, because on October 5th, they, they did what was called a banned books drive. And I have video from a, uh, in, uh, a local report from Kenosha News where they interviewed Lori Hawkins, who's the executive director for CUSH, talking about this um, banned books drive. And the intention was to collect these... LGBTQ banned books for a library at a proposed Kenosha-based LGBTQ center for middle school and high school-aged kids. Uh, They interviewed Lori Hawkins, the executive director for CUSH, and she said, the reason we're doing this is really to raise awareness. There's lots of books that are on the banned books list and have been in the past and we think that people will be surprised to learn about. But we're really looking at getting books that we can put into this library for the LGBTQ Youth Center. And then in this video report, of course, they've got these transgender flags and these gay flags that are flying all around their little booth with a banner for Kush right there in the center of this booth. I see it. And um they're holding up these books, gender queer, the LGBTQ history book, all boys aren't blue, a book titled this book is gay. And so I started I was curious, uh, not curious in the sense of I really wanted to know, but I I had to find out just how bad these books were.
0: Don't tell me you went and got a copy of the... Uh, well, I didn't uh, get oh. a
1: copy. I just looked online and it was bad enough. Oh, Gender <laughs> Queer is a comic book, also called a graphic novel. Yes. But it's a comic book. And the comic book on page, and I can't quite see what page number that is, but uh, there is a graphic depiction of a teenage boy... Giving oral sex to another teenage boy, and it shows everything.
0: Everything. I can confirm this, and uh, have been confirming this for almost two years now since that wretched uh, book came out, and since librarians started uh, uh, promoting it to children as educational. You know, here. So go ahead. Okay.
1: So the bottom line is a Catholic-funded organization that has received nearly three hundred thousand dollars from the Catholic Church. Just last month, collected a comic book, a pornographic homosexual comic book for kids Mm -hmm. with the intention of giving it to kids. Mm -hmm. The book, uh, this book is gay.
0: This one's even worse.
1: In many ways, yeah. uh, It has a graphic depiction of the male anatomy from head to toe and. With that male anatomy, they have all these different parts. And in the parts uh, where they've got little uh, write-ups pointing to different parts of the body. This whole portion is a uh, a diagram with tips on how to pleasure a guy. And it has uh, descriptions of erogenous zones. With descriptions on how to pleasure those erogenous zones, and I'm not going to get too graphic on this. Um, page 156 of this book actually gives the reader instructions on how to use the homosexual hookup app called Grinder. Yep. Uh, page 173 gives actual instruction on mutual masturbation, oral sex, and anal sex.
0: The, uh, this is for kids. Yeah, yeah, the anal part is not, you can't read it. No, you can't read no. it. I'm an adult. I can't read it. No. Don't want to read it.
1: Uh, the book, uh, All Boys Aren't Blue, can't read portions of that either because, and, and it's its not a graphic novel. It's not. It, there are no pictures, but it's a story, and there are multiple sex scenes, including homosexual oral sex, homosexual anal sex. And it goes into description, it goes in its graphic in its descriptions. These are, they, they collected these for kids as young as middle school, as young as middle school. And the Catholic Church, since 2012, has given this organization close to300,000 dollars. And Bishop Timothy Sr., the chairman of the USCCB subcommittee for the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, had the gall. The unmitigated gall to say that Catholics can be confident that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development does not fund organizations that violate the moral or social teaching of the church. (laughs) Pardon my French, but that is bull crap.
0: You can actually use the word. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's bullpence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bull, we, we call it bullpence around here. Yeah. Uh, 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 pretty much the same thing. Um, can we be clear and make a distinction here for people that may be new listeners or have not heard a conversation Mr. Hitchborn and I or others on this subject here? If the same smut pimps, these uh, these women in this tent, if they were promoting books that purported to show and provide instructions on how boys could perform on girls and girls could perform on boys we would with equal veracity oppose it yes so just so you're a bunch of no we're sick we're when it comes to children we're sex phobes Yes, we're illicit phobes. We're erotica phobes. Yes, call me whatever you wish, but just to make make it clear and to make the the, the, the distinction that we would, with equal and manly uh, manly fortitude, oppose that as well. So, uh, because you know the the first card that they play was like, oh, you're just a bunch of bigots and homophobes and um, none of this, none of this is is appropriate. What's what's amazing? Just I, I've always since you have been presenting these things, I my mind goes in wonders. Okay, I'm inside the, the, the headquarters of the USCCB, and uh, there is a discussion going on, and they've, they, they, they've got these grant requests laid out on the table. And someone comes up with this one and goes like, oh, yeah, here's a grant request for these people here. And, uh, oh, okay, well, they're in Wisconsin. Hey, that, I, I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, so what is it that they wish to distribute? It, 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 is someone actually laying eyes on this stuff, or are the people that are applying for the grants not telling them what they're going to use the grants for? Do you, did you, did you ever made a determination on, on that part of the process?
1: So, I think that there is a plausible deniability with regard to the bishops. Okay. The bishops are not part of the grant discovery process. Okay. They have to rely upon their... Uh, Their CCHD grant directors who are the ones that collect the applications, they re, they're the ones who do the site visits with the CCHD grantees and all that kind of stuff. Um, the bishops, now what's interesting is that every single time we do a report, CCHD always makes sure to say uh, that um, all of the initiatives that are supported with CCHD funding have undergone a thorough application process. Which includes the approval of the local bishop. What they're doing is they're pointing back to the bishop saying, if you have a problem with the organizations receiving funding, you also have a problem with yourself. Mm. You have to admit fault because you signed off on this. And that bishop has an obligation to either fire his staff because they're funding organizations that are now found out to be promoting these horrible horrible things but at the same time the national cchd is supposed to be part of the application process as well doing their due diligence and what they're doing is exonerating themselves by saying oh no these local grant application processes are supposed to take place at the most local level we you know we actually do a a part of this also but really it's the bishops who sign off on it and then they claim that these applicant applicants are closely monitored throughout the length of the grant to ensure that the terms of the grant or grant agreement are strictly followed. Again, bull hockey, as uh, as Colonel Potter used to say on MASH.
0: <laughs> That's bull hockey.
1: Okay, so, and, and looking at all of this information The thing that people need to come away with is the fact that the CCHD consistently tries to exonerate itself. They say, oh, we've looked into this. This isn't, you know, the the Lepanto Institute just uses inflammatory language and imagery which mislead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Excuse me? There's nothing misleading about this. They posted pictures of the books they collected. They're the ones that said that they were going to give it to young kids as young as middle school. All I did was look up what was in the books. Now, Can you imagine, even during the 1960s when we had Cardinal Dearden and Cardinal Spellman who were well-known in the homosexual community in the church. Right. Could you imagine any of them ever giving, just turning a blind eye to a grant that was exposed in the news such as this? No. Never. Never. They would have scrambled like cockroaches. Trying to mitigate the damage and say, oh, I can't believe this is done. I can't figure out how this happened, but we are going to put an end to this right now. They would have immediately shut that down. Well, <laughs> Not these guys. These guys hide behind uh, all kinds of things. Well, it's it's interfaith dialogue. We're working with a community here. Uh, we don't necessarily agree with all of the things that they do, but look at the other good things that they do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look at the other good things. Well, uh, that implies that the first thing is good, right? right. So when you say, look at the other good things, then you go like, okay, well, so you're telling me the first thing was good, right? Well, this woman that you uh, that you identify as Laurie Hawkins' character as being one of the, uh, I guess she is uh, the leader of, the, of this particular Kush organization. Mm -hmm. Well, she admits, I mean, she should admit she boasts and brags that she was a fundraiser and uh, an agitator for Planned Parenthood.
1: That's right. That's right. She she openly admitted that she was a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood, that she was a volunteer for Planned Parenthood. Uh, She talks about how much she loves Planned Parenthood. And from what I'm told by locals in the uh, diocese of milwaukee there's a local investigative reporter named kevin matthewson okay who is the editor of the kenosha county eye and i've spoken with him on the phone back in may of this year he contacted the archdiocese and said i've got evidence that laurie hawkins the executive director for cush is a big-time supporter of Planned Parenthood. She's out there advocating for Planned Parenthood. Um, She and Kush have been huge LGBTQ supporters, and they're pushing the whole pride thing. And, you know, he's got all this evidence that he collected. And what we got word of as a result of this is that Kush is no longer receiving funding from the CCHD. Which implies, heavily implies, they got a grant for 2022 to 2023.
0: Yeah, that, uh, no and longer. That,
1: and that it was only because of intrepid local Catholics who were upset about this, who discovered this earlier than I did, uh, only because of their work and their pressure on the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. That's the only reason why Cush is no longer receiving funding not because the grant application process worked not because they continue to monitor these grants in order to make sure that they stay in line with church teaching no that's not why that happened it's because local catholics uncovered the cockroach nest and threatened to expose it
0: they threatened to put some to spray some raid on it that's right so <laughs> oh, the no, diocons- it's
1: right. <laughs> yeah raid raid
0: <laughs> so the
1: archdiocese you know quietly defunded the organization but that still means that the cchd was giving funding to this i mean we found information going back to 2020 where they were promoting homosexuality and transgenderism october 26 2020 on facebook they posted a rainbow flag and said don't tell someone you love them and then vote for someone who will hurt them Ah, what are we talking about here Oh, we're talking about voting for for people who are pro-LGBT. That's what we're talking about.
0: Uh, A listener writes in, uh, Michael, you're going to like this, uh, Martin M., this is a really good point. TKD and Mike, Michael, what happened to the Joe Camel standard? (laughs) When Camel Cigarettes used a comic character named Joe Camel in its ads, child advocacy zealots criticized them as targeting children with cartoon characters. How can pedo porn graphic novels and comic books not be guilty of targeting children with grooming media? Good point, Martin. Yep. Very good point. Thank you. Well, you can't have kids smoking cigarettes. Huh? No, but you can have. Oh, I almost made a sophomore joke. <laughs> I, I, I almost went there, Michael. I almost went there. Uh, <laughs> Michael, Michael Hitchborn at the Labanto Institute. All right, I want to deep dive, unpack something with you if you if you if you indulge me for about two minutes. Yeah, let's go over why. I, I, I like to, I, I'd like to know the whys. Why nonprofit is the why. None of this happens if the 501 code is never written, and if the then Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, which wasn't the USCCB, it was just the Conference of Catholic Bishops in 1957 or so. I believe it was a Revenue Act of 1958 when the nonprofit was entered. They had to get the car, the, the bishops in the United States to, to agree to have their count their their dioceses formed under and chartered by the federal government so. They could assign them 501C3 or C8 nonprofit numbers, and the deal was we won't tax any of your income or revenue, but you can't speak from the pulpit about our politics. So if if the if the and and this is not. Because you have a nonprofit, I have a nonprofit, but we're playing the game that they set up. I'm just swimming in their waters and going like, I don't want to get bitten by a shark and killed. So yeah, I'll I'll. I will have a nonprofit. If the nonprofit code is never established, and the Internal Revenue Service and the rest of the arms of the U.S. government don't ever acknowledge any entity as a quote nonprofit. Almost none of this ever happens, because that would mean Soros and all of the other criminal, uh, Satan worshiping leftists out there, human human hating leftists, would without any benefit to their bottom line or how much of their usury grift that they keep, uh, the, the the they would be able to keep, would just have to give directly to people who are, by definition exist to murder the soon to be born, to turn otherwise innocent children into radi- raving radical homosexuals and what have you here. And name your your, your nonprofit uh, uh, activity here. And again, this is not a blanket condemnation of, 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 of people doing charitable work and not for profit. It is the fact that the federal government of the United States, and you know, you know, they knew where this is going to lead. They, they absolutely knew what they were creating, which was an entire section of the of, of the economy now. Do you know, the, the kids are that are graduating, out of some of the, uh, the 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 finer school, allegedly finer schools in the United States, out of Georgetown and some of the Ivy Leagues and many other schools, are actually told if they want career uh, security to stay the hell out of productive uh, productive for-profit work, and to find a good nonprofit to go work for. Yep. So if there is no, if the USCCB doesn't have to kind of justify its existence to the federal government of the United States and write off all of these fundings, it has to. It would then have to, as not not as a nonprofit entity now, just as a church, which should not have to file with the government to begin with. Can we comprehend this prior to the Revenue Act of 1958? And I I think that this is correct, but don't hold me to the letter on it because it's been a long time since I read about it. I'm trying to remember where I read it. might have even been Pat Buchanan. Before that, a Catholic church did not have to, it, it had no legal connection to the federal government of the United States. Did you know that?
1: Yes, in fact, all religions, any organized religion, which is why there are so many Protestant denominations out there, incidentally, uh, any organized religion is not required to file with the federal government at all.
0: There you go. The Jones, man. The Jones Act, thanks to Trump.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, so it, it gets even more interesting. This is why I think that it would be very interesting for some intrepid lawyer out there to file a RICO suit against the, the uh, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, because they're all connected to the same entity. Mm-hmm. They are. There is no accountability for the shifting of funds, mm-hmm. so nobody knows exactly how the funds are being spent. Mm-hmm. We do know that the funds are being spent on hush money to w- with regard to sil- child sex abuse. Mm-hmm. We do know that there is money being used by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops for the... Illegal introduction of people coming up from South America, whether they're South American or Jordanian or Nigerian or, you know, take your pick. Um, And uh, they are resettling illegal people in the United States with funds that are being that, that are not reported to the federal government. In fact, in some cases, they're actually taking government money to do this, which is also very suspect. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, the only thing that they have to report on is anything that they collect from the federal government in terms of grants. What they do with their own money, the government doesn't care. And that's part of the problem.
0: I think it is the problem. Yep. But, uh, again, uh, with the formation of of the nonprofit superstructure... Uh, I mean, it's a joke to call yourself a nonprofit when you're laundering billions of dollars like the Clinton Global Initiatives. Right. Yep. I mean, th- 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 this is just, you know, I, I'm like you, I want to retire. This just makes me sick. Yep. I, it, it, and the same people are sitting there lecturing all the rest of us. I was reading, okay. I played a clip earlier, and it was this woman who was a doctor in Gaza who is going, like, you can't call 911 because no one's going to answer it. Well, first of all, you probably don't have a phone. Uh, you don't have electricity to charge your phone. Uh, we're running out of water. and average resident of Gaza is getting, if they can find it, is getting two slices of bread per day here. Um, we're being lectured here by our Zionist uh, elite ruling masters that in response to any humanitarian Disaster, calamity that is befalling the people of Palestine and Gaza. And no, that does not make me a Hamas apologist. Shut up. That, that the response is Israel has a right. The state of Israel has a right to exist. Dude, did did some did they make you repeat this a thousand times while they were dripping drops of water on your forehead when you were a child? Right. I, I mean, seriously. I just I talked about the children and women and men men that are not affiliated with this group dying or being starved to death, and you're response to me is State of Israel has a right to exist so the so, so the genocide can be the product of that yeah this uh, we can't defend the southern border of the United States won't de- 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 not, not can't, we can't won't we can have you seen the video this is pretty recent here the state of Texas, Ordered Governor Abbott sent the National Guard down to a very popular crossing point where the Coyotes knew that all you had to do was get across the river and go straight up the bank and boom, you're in, you're in Texas. So the state of Texas sent the, uh, the Texas Guard down there, and they put the equivalent up of um, what, what are those things you see on the Normandy beaches in World War II? Those giant X's. What are those? Oh, I forget what they're called. Chevalier, no, The starts with a C. It's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh... It's a she- it's not a chef, maybe it is a shepherd. So, so basically, they put these giant chevrons up or whatever they call them and then put the razor wire on there. Uh, Check to hedgehogs, what's it called? Czech hedgehogs. hedgehogs, okay, hedgehogs. hedgehogs, yes, that's right. Okay, so you put the wire around it and it was very effective. I mean, they'd see them from the other side and they wouldn't cross. Do you know what Biden ordered? What Majorcas, oh, okay, so again, chain of command. Mayorkas has no authority whatsoever. He is using an authority that the president of the United States, or in this case, the regime leader has. So when he said, Biden never ordered that, it doesn't matter because Mayorkas is executing something that Biden only has the power to do. Biden is just delegating the authority. Mayorkas sent goons down there with front-end loaders to go and pick The barbed wire up and and the hedgehog up lifted 15 feet off the ground so that 4,000 or so illegals could enter the state of Texas. I'm going like, if that's not Article 3 treason, levying war against them, I don't know what is. Yeah. in this day and age in which we live but but, but hey we can't defend our southern border but we could sure as hell defend the border of Egypt and Gaza <laughs> or the border of the Donbass and Russia and the Russian Federation I just I'm with you I'm ready to quit <laughs> yeah I'm ready yeah. to quit I want, I want to talk about father um, I want to talk about uh, 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 Was it was father Patrick Kennedy who did the Rosary rallies in the nineteen sixties, um, uh, uh, Father <clears throat> Father Peyton. Peyton, I want to talk about Father Peyton and rosary rallies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy days are here again. <laughs> I know. I know.
1: There will come a time. I mean, our Lady's triumph, or the Immaculate, her Immaculate Heart will triumph. She promised that it would, and we do know that there's going to be a great reversal, and all of this filth is going to be upended and, and closed off. And you know, I I, I sincerely. And desperately look forward to that. Um, in the meantime, we have to slog through the sewer, and it's it's almost like you know Dante's Inferno, where you get uh, uh, Dante having to crawl through this dark passage before he's even able to get up to Purgatory through through Hell. He has to go through this long dark tunnel. I think that in order for us to get to a point where we can um, even begin to see that there's a light at the end of that we have to, we have to go through the poop chute we, we have to go through this sewer tunnel filled with the worst filth and, and and just awfulness and then finally we'll get to a point where we can uh we, we can see our lady she'll clean us up i, I, I hope
0: I want, I want to share two things uh three things with you okay uh before you go one There's a new show out on uh, HBO, and I don't encourage anyone to watch this. I watched it for you, so uh, I'll give you the cliff notes. It's called 30 Coins. Um, It is about this secret, and I I watched this. My wife, Amidus Churn, and I are watching this, and I'm going like, you know that Catholics wrote this, and someone that was behind this is one of us because... He is basically painting this picture of the inside of the Catholic Church, of what you, Michael Hitchborn, and Mike Church think it looks like, which is a a, 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 a rather vagabond assortment of sexual deviants running around, um, uh, plotting and scheming the uh, the the end of the, uh, the end of the human race, and the enslavement of all of us to Baphomet, Bagul, and the boys. As a matter of fact, the plot is so interesting, Michael, that I I, I almost would would say Hitchburn ought to watch this just so he can write a, a piece about it. So let me just give you the cliff note. Sure. Judas dies right after receiving the 30 pieces. He goes back. He tries to. He tries to turn them in, and they won't take them. Right. Um, he goes and he hangs himself uh, from the tree. And uh, before he hangs himself, he makes a. Basically, according to the, to these people, he makes a deal with the devil. Um, the, the devil's going to take him in because he's nosy. He, he knows he's damned, and he leaves the thirty pieces there. And the thirty pieces are then the first relics. Uh, the unholy church and the unholy gospel of Judas. Okay? That's the setup. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, for nothing else, that's pretty original, if, 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 fictionally speaking. This is better than anything Dan Brown ever conceived of, okay? Right. It, it's eminently more, more interesting and well thought out to me. So fast forward to the, okay, apparently the 30 pieces of silver have been spread all throughout the earth. Well, the the secret church of judas and the gospel of judas which says that uh, basically that god um, that the real beef that the demons had with God was that they were granted the preternatural and the supernatural knowledge of what was of all that was going to happen and what really drove them to leave was that God was going to give man and Mary credit and Jesus credit but he wasn't going to give any credit to the angels <laughs> for, right. for the ark and that's what really uh, angered them okay so that's why the demons have sided with, the, with, with Judas and that's what the and supposedly in, the, in, in this gospel of Judas, um, uh, Judas says this to someone before, they, uh, supposedly Judas, Jesus, and Pilate had already made the deal. For him to be given up, which is why I was like, well, why didn't he protest? Why didn't, well, they try to explain that by saying that, no, Jesus, our Lord was in on the deal because he wanted to set Pilate, he wanted to set uh, Judas up as this kind of anti, uh, anti-church. Um, anti Then there's supposedly there's the gospel of Judas uh, that was left behind. The 30 pieces get scattered throughout the earth. Now, they are the unholy relics. Now, you what I, is
1: all of this from
0: again? This is from a, a, a book that came out. It's called 30 Coins. It's actually a Spanish book. I can't remember how you say 30 Coins in Spanish, but it was written in Spain. It's a Spanish book it's called 30 Coins. Now, the Church of Judas, then, after it gets formed, and it, build, it builds secret cathedrals and, and, and everything now, has been in pursuit of all of the 30 Coins because it is said That if you gather all the 30 coins together and put them on a pontiff's miter... That you will then uh, have uh, Satan will then uh, come to earth And will help uh, you rule Will destroy the Catholic Church Which was always God's intention according to the the storyline And uh, will bring about the rise uh, And the rule of Antichrist if you will of, Of Satan himself So the show is about the quest to get the last two coins And they get the last two coins and then jealousy sets in and uh, as I said someone that knows a little bit about the faith because pride as soon as soon as the, as the new church is supposed to be launched and and the Satan beast the Leviathan comes up from the ground uh, jealousy sets in and uh, the first new bishops get jealous and they go after the uh, you know the antipope or whatever and they kill him and the coins get scattered again um, the, 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 the 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 point of, of, of this is, This is describing a cabal, basically, inside the Catholic Church that purports to actually be, because these guys that are running around collecting the coins, one of them's a cardinal. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going like. So this is a novel? Yes, it's a novel. I'm going. No, this is a documentary. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm watching yeah. it, I'm going, okay, I get the point. Most viewers aren't going to get this. Going to think, yeah, yeah, Satan and the boy. No, I get the point that they're making here. That's one thing the Holy Ghost is kind of allowed out into popular popular culture here. There's a film that just came up of the Irish Film Commission, uh, Elisha Cusper is in. It's called the C- the Cellar. It's a creepy setup. Uh, It it, it doesn't finish well, so I'd probably give it two and a half Reagan's or something like that. But the story is, it is how this guy, who, uh, this physicist, and I'm going like, okay, dude, there's several physicists you could be talking about. How this physicist uh stumbled on the information that there's uh, these ancient uh, uh, sanskrits that you could make a deal with the devil and that you could bring back some you could bring back people from the uh, from uh, the the dead if you wanted to that you had lost and so he constructs basically this dimension traveling machine um, uh, that uses certain language now it's interesting that the language ultimately translates, and there's, and there's this house where he constructs all this to, if you put the, uh, the there's, there's these uh, symbols above the doors, each door in the house. If you put all the symbols together, you get the word Leviathan. And I go like, okay, well, that's from the book of Job. That's the giant serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, ultimately, guess who is used, or guess who is summoned into this world to ensnare souls, primarily the souls of children, through social media. Baphomet. And I'm going like, okay, the people are, or they're, they're, they're savaging the, the 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 film. It doesn't do this and that. And I'm like, well, Midas Church pointed out to me, she goes, do you think it's a coincidence that the parents were social media influence hirers and both of their children? Fell into the into the trance of social media baphomet and going like no so you know there is the Holy Ghost is telling us through popular entertainment now again I'm not recommending anyone to watch it uh, is telling us that these evil things are real and they are happening all around us. So when you say that, you know, that her immaculate the heart is going to triumph, she's got a lot to triumph over. This <laughs> so triumph you know is going to be, it's going to be unbelievable.
1: hmm You bring up Leviathan. There's a portion, I mean, obviously, Leviathan is mentioned in Job verse 40, or chapter 40, chapter but 40. also in 41. Verse 16 in, in chapter 41 is a very interesting one. Because... It speaks in the future tense. Ah! Up, up until that point, Leviathan, is, uh, he, he gives a description. It's basically a fire-breathing dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his body is like molten shields, shut up close with scales pressing upon another. One is joined to another, not so, not so much as any air can come between them. They stick one to another and they hold one another fast and shall not be separated. His sneezing is like the shining of fire and his eyes like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go forth lamps like torches of lighted fires. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke. So all of this is in the present tense, right? Right. And then verse 16. When he shall raise him up, the angels shall fear and being affrighted shall purify themselves. When he shall raise him up, when who shall raise him up?
0: Mm.
1: Who are we talking about? Yeah, who
0: are we talking about?
1: Uh, when a sword shall lay at him, it shall not be able to hold, nor a spear, nor a breastplate. So here now we're talking in the future tense. Um, what's also interesting is that it, this whole chapter starts with a question: "I will not stir him up, stir him up like one that is cruel." for who can resist my countenance? So Leviathan's not going to be stirred up by God. It's going to be stirred up by someone else. So I will not stir him up like one that is cruel. But then verse 16, when he shall raise him up, the angels shall fear and being affrighted shall purify themselves. Do you realize that in the legend of... Thor, and I'm not talking about Marvel's Thor. <laughs> I'm talking about the the uh, myth of Thor from Norse mythology. There is a creature called the Midgard serpent. Yes, and the Midgard serpent is this giant serpent, a leviathan that encircles the globe and is biting its own tail, waiting for wait for this. Thor to stir him up and draw him out of the ocean, which will bring about the end of the world. So we're talking about a demon Mm -hmm. Thor raising up Leviathan, a demon to bring about the end of the world. So, you know, we start thinking in terms of prophecy and Judas and, I mean, the whole Judas thing that you brought up is very intriguing, uh, mostly because this idea that there is a false church operating within the church. St. Paul wrote about this in, in, uh, third, in the third chapter of his, his letter to the Philippians. The, okay. He said, Be ye followers of me, brethren, and observe them who walk so as to have our model. For many walk... Of whom I have told you often, and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So, already he's talking about this false church. And there are a couple of other portions in in, um, the New Testament where there's mention of false prophets and, and people who are walking around amongst the uh, the brethren, amongst the, the believers, who are perverting the scriptures, who are perverting the ideas of the church. And this idea of there being a Judas church, I think it has merit. I don't know that it's a spy novel level thing. <laughs> and I don't know that there's any kind of prophecy attached to the 30 pieces of silver, however – um, that doesn't mean
0: that they don't believe it. But the fact that there is now now again. The priests that are the henchmen of the cardinal who serves the Holy Father in this, these are priests. Uh-huh. You know, they walk around in cassocks. <laughs> They're sure. all over the Vatican archives. Oh, okay, one uh, 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 a final thing about this and about Our Lady's Triumph is uh, I listened with great, great interest. I said I was going to post this yesterday. I didn't, but I, I promise I'll get it up today. Uh, Saturday was feast day of St. Charles Borromeo. And I didn't know anything of the history of St. Charles Borromeo, of his life. I mean, I knew who he was. And we were listening to the uh, the sermon about the life of St. Charles Borromeo. And the biographer was recalling just when St. Charles Borromeo went as the Bishop of Milan, or as the Archbishop of Milan, he went there and he was shocked by what he saw. And there was a description of, of how the priests were, were behaving in those days. And this has been in like 1562 or somewhere up in there. And he was describing that the priests weren't wearing priestly garb any longer, that they were running around in lay people clothes, and they were, they were brandishing weapons and firearms, and they were seen proudly entering, entering and leaving houses of ill repute. Uh Uh, They didn't know how to hear. Many of the priests didn't know how to hear confessions. And they pretty much existed to just uh, conduct uh, some form of a mass every week, so they could basically fleece the population for the uh, uh, for the collection plate. And then the biographer says, "You know, of course, you know, as the priests go, you know, the laity are under them. You know, the laity go even worse." So Milan, now this is in the in, in the 1560s, around the, count, the time of the Council of Trent, is an absolute moral and Catholic basket case, a horror show. Yep. Kind of what we're seeing today in some places. But and Saint
1: One Ch- currently is the seatbed of of uh, or it's a hotbed of Freemasonry within the church. In ecclesiastical that, is, isn't
0: that interesting. But here's the, the, the now the, the encouraging thing is that a saint one, Charles Borromeo, who was his cousin, was it, or is it his uncle was Pius IV. I want to say his uncle was Pius IV, okay. um, and he made, and, his, and his uncle I want to say made him a, a made him a cardinal. See, he participated in, in the selection of his holy Saint Pope Pius V. But Charles Borromeo made it his business to reform Milan. And in a space of like five or six years, he did. And he, and he let it be known to all the faithful there, he would visit every church in his diocese. Some that he could ride horses to. Some he had to walk to. He couldn't get there. They didn't have carriages that could get there. Um So we often think in terms of these things that, you know, the reform's going to take uh, generations or, or centuries and all that. Well, St. Charles Borromeo got Milan back up and pursuing holiness in a manner of a half a decade.
1: Yep. So if you had... Not- it's not s- impossible, right. So,
0: <laughs> right? Well, you need a saint, but you <laughs> had have to have someone who's going to be a uh, future saint. Who is? But a- you know
1: what? Yeah, we we need a saint to do it, but it's not hard to be a saint either.
0: No, today, no, not very difficult at all, is it?
1: Well, I- in any age, it's not hard to be a saint because if you understand that life is about salvation, once you make that your your understanding that everything that you do in this life is about salvation, mm-hmm. and that if you love God, and you want to be with God in the next life, then everything that you do will be reflective of that, which means avoiding sin and doing good, and making God the center of all of it, you know, bearing pati- or bearing wrongs with patience, uh, having forbearance, you know, it's all of those, all the practice of the virtues, it can be difficult at times because our emotions get in the way, but... It t- and it takes practice, but once you make your central idea, salvation. Well, then everything else falls into place. Becoming a saint is not difficult. It's not. Uh, it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It can be hard, but it's not complicated. And we can all become saints. And if we, <laughs> if we all strove to be saints then hopefully we would have that saintly bishop or cardinal who would then lead. Finding a a saintly leader is what's really hard. There you go.
0: Well, we'll keep working at it. Uh, I, I wait for you to lead. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no pressure or anything. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, please uh, support the the great work that the Lepanto Institute uh, does. And uh, keep Michael out of retirement by making a donation and <laughs> signing up today uh, for his email newsletter and his Friday uh, video chats at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N Lepanto.com org That's Lepantoin.org Lepantoin.org Alright brother uh, Best to your uh, uh, to your lovely wife uh, God bless you and your work and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks if not sooner You bet,
1: we'll see you in a couple of weeks God bless you, God bless your audience Okay
0: man, thank you uh, Video chats at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N Lepantoin.org That's Lepantoin.org Lepantoin.org Org. All right, brother. Uh, best to your uh, uh, to your lovely wife. Uh, God bless you and your work, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, if not sooner.
1: You bet. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. God bless you. God bless your audience.
0: Okay, man. Thank you.